Turn with us tonight to the book of 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter number 4. Paul is closing out the final word that the Holy Spirit had given to him to put on paper. Not soon long after this, I believe Paul was taken to the chopping block. Martyred for Christ. I've heard that history says that Paul, an old man by this time, and was battered and torn, and he was stoned however many times, and shipwrecked three times, and beat with, uh, was it 40 stripes, saved one however many times, and he was just beat up and beat down every which way around. But I understood that there were three or four big strong Roman soldiers that had him, had him held. And as he was leading him to the chopping block, he broke loose from those big strong Roman soldiers and he ran and laid down. In other words, what he was saying is, just give me Jesus. Just go ahead and give me Jesus. My goodness, what a testimony. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 1. I'm going to read four verses and share a few thoughts with you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and, and shall be turned unto faith. Would you may, may be seated. Father, we're honored tonight, Lord, to open up Your Scripture. We're thankful tonight, Lord, for Your precious Word. And God, we're thankful tonight, Lord, for what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've felt here tonight, but Lord, more importantly, what we know that's down in the depths of our heart. We're thankful, Lord, for the choir. We're thankful, Lord, for the testimonies. We're thankful, Lord, for Your Spirit. Thankful for these that have come tonight. Father, we pray, Lord, that You'd help us. God, that You'd use us tonight. Lord, that You'd preach the message through us. And Father, we pray, Lord, before... The hour is over, Lord, before the doors are shut, the lights are out. Father, we pray, Lord, that someone would do business with Jesus. And God, we just pray, Lord, that you'd minister to each and every heart that's here tonight. Father, we love you, we thank you and praise you, give you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Now, I want you to notice tonight, we read those four verses of Scripture to get to the fourth verse. I want you to notice it says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And I want to preach with the help of the Lord tonight on this thought, I shall not be turned. You think about that. I shall not be turned. And I believe today if there's ever been a time that as a Christian, if there's ever been a time, I was thinking this just today, 
If there's ever been a time as a Christian individual, as a Christian young man or a young woman or an old, old man or an old woman, if there's ever been a time as a Christian individual, today is the day that we ought to make a stand for Christ. Because it seems like everything else is rising up. It seems like the world is rising up. It seems like sin is rising up just on every hand. You don't take long. You go out here and you're going to be confronted with sin. You're going to, you're going to hit it face to face. So if there's ever been a time as a Christian individual, right now, May the 19th, 2021, we ought to make a stand and make sure we know what we're standing for. Make a stand for the cause of Christ today. But I want you to understand this tonight, that Paul wrote these words to Timothy, penned these words down, and sent this letter to Timothy. But let me say this, Paul was not speaking of the world when he talked about those that would turn away from the truth and turn unto fables. I shall not be turned. You keep that in mind tonight as we go. I thought about that song, I shall not be moved. And I thought, my goodness, what a title. I shall not be turned. Hey, I'm, convi- I'm convinced tonight that Jesus is the answer. I'm convinced tonight that He's all you need. I'm convinced tonight that He's all I need. And I don't intend to turn in any other direction but towards Him tonight. We need Jesus tonight. I shall not be turned. You think about that. But I I understand that Paul did not write this and and was concerned about the world turning away unto their their own lust and turning away from the truth and turning unto fables. But you know who Paul wrote this about? He was writing this about the church. That tells me that there's coming a time, and we see it yet today, that there's many that have turned from the truth. They know the truth. They've heard the truth, they've seen the truth, they've witnessed the truth, and they've turned away from the truth. Jesus said, I am truth. As He stood before Pilate that day, and I believe Pilate was kind of dumbfounded by what he he was saying and and, and who it was there. I don't think Pilate, I I, I believe Pilate, let me just say this, I believe Pilate did realize who was there before him. I believe it clicked, but but we don't read where, you know, Pilate washed his hands with the water. My goodness, we've got to we've got to have the blood applied. Amen. Water can only go so far. Amen. But my goodness, the blood of Christ will take you all the way. Amen. But I want you to think about this tonight. You know, uh, there, there's three there's three examples or, or three different ways that you can uh, take this word turn or turn and divide it. And I want I want to share that with you tonight. One of them is simply this. Turn simply means this. It means to turn back to something that you've gotten out of. You think about that. How many of you know that that God has saved you from your sins? Praise the Lord forever tonight. You think what He has done just for you. You think of your past. You think where God has delivered, what God has delivered you from, where He has delivered you to. You think personally what God has done just specifically for you. And you think about going back to the old ways. You think about that's what turn, that's what Paul is speaking of right here. He's talking about going back to the old things. Going back to the to sitting on the bar stool somewhere. Going back to fornicating. Going back to doing this. Going back to the old habits and the old ways. That's what Paul is warning us against. Don't go back to the things that God had already saved you from and delivered you from. I shall not be turned. Let's stay focused upon the Lord tonight. 
Let's stay centered upon Him. Now, wasn't it Peter that said, I believe it's in... I want to flip over there just real quick. I believe it was Peter that said in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number, verse number 22. Listen to what Peter said right here in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. He said this. He said, But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit. You know what that next word is? Again. They weren't once were in their own vomit, if you will, and they were brought out of it, but now for whatever reason, they went right back to the old habits. They've gone back to the old things. They've gone back to the old way of living. They've gone back to the things of the world. Now notice what it, it goes on to say, and the sow that was washed in her to her own wallowing in her, in her own mire. You think about that. You think what, what Paul is telling them, don't go back to what God has already brought you from, I shall not be turned. Let's stay straight. Now you think about this. It, it says, understand that that word turn simply means this. Not only does it mean to go back to something that you've already been involved in, something that you've already been delivered from, but it also means this. It means to depart without warning. You ever, you ever think about that? To depart without warning. Turn. To be turned. Now how, how many times have we seen someone pass through the doors of this church? Be here for however long. And then all of a sudden, the, the, they don't show up one service. They don't show up the next. They don't show up the next. Where are they at? They've turned back. Oh my. What a thought. What an awful thought that might be. But you think about this. Another, another one simply means this. It means to turn against someone. You ever think about that? You know, to turn against someone. You know, and I thought about, I thought about the preachers and thank God for the man of God that will stand in the pulpit and still call sin what it is. S-I-N. And not throw sugar all over it and sugar coat it and honey coat it. But you know what? Hey, I thank God that there's a man of God that will stand. And I believe we need this more and more today as we see the day approaching. That thank God for the man of God that's got a, a, a backbone like a saw log about this big that will stand and still call sin what it is. Let me just say this. If it was sin 3,000 years ago, guess what? It's still sin today. Sin is still sin. And you know, just as long as, as things are going right, just as long as things are going well, and just as long as maybe the, the preacher's patting them on the back, but maybe when he gets in their garden and tills a little bit and hoes a little bit, you know what happens? Well, they get their feathers ruffled and now they're out. Turning against the truth. That's what Paul is telling us. Turning against... Thank God for the man of God that will stand up and preach the true Word of God and preach it with power and authority from the Holy Ghost of God. You know what? There's nothing within myself, but it's all the Holy Ghost of God tonight. You think about that. You think about what that was. I shall not be turned. I like that thought myself. I'm convinced tonight. And I'm committed. I'm dedicated. Thank God for the commitment that I made long ago. And even, even yet today when, when, when my faith gets weak and I, I get down and I get kicked around a little bit and Satan has his way with me, you know what? God's still faithful to come down right where I'm at, pick me up, and, and set me back on my feet and 
get me heading in the right direction again. Thank God I shall not be turned. I intend to make heaven my home. I intend to go all the way with the Lord tonight. Now you think about this. You know, I thought about in, in, in James or in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Uh, it was John that was writing or, or speaking there. And he said, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make His path what? Straight. And then it, James it said this. He said, Neither is there shadow of turning. You know what that means? That there is, it, it isn't even a possibility for God to turn. He's straight. You think about it. It's not even a possibility for Him to lean one way or the other. And then think about this. You remember in Numbers chapter number 20 where, the, where Israel was passing through a, a, a strange land there and God spoke to them and He said, Don't turn to the right and don't turn to the left. In other words, we've got to stay straight. We've got to stay fixed upon the Lord. We've got to keep our eyes upon Him. I shall not be turned. Don't turn to the right and don't turn to the left, but let's stay straight tonight. And then you think about this. In Matthew chapter 7, and I believe it's about verse 13 maybe, it says, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. You think about that tonight and how important it is that we stay on the straight and narrow. We stay on the, on the straight road tonight. But, you know, now I want you to think about this. And I thought about as a, as a vehicle would travel down the road, you think. I thought about as, as that vehicle travels down and maybe it's, it's, it's traveling down this lane here. And then all of a sudden there's a road that may veer off to the right or a road that may veer off to the left. You know what's got to happen in order for that driver to turn off into the right or turn off into the left? They've got to be looking in that direction. You ever think about that? Now let me just, I, I don't know about you, but I hope you don't do this. If you're driving down the road and you're wanting to turn right, I hope you're not looking this way and then whipping wheel over here. We've got to be looking in the way that we're going. And let me just say this. If we're not careful, it won't be long. If, if there's something over here that catches our eye and we get distracted over here and we keep looking and we keep looking, it's not going to be long. We're going to be drifting that way. We've got to stay straight. We've got to stay on the straight and narrow. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. The way you're looking might be the way that you're headed tonight. Which way are you headed? Which way are you looking? Which road are you looking down tonight? And then I thought about this. You, you know, another thing too, in order for us to turn off and, and, and go to the right or go to the left, you know what has to happen? Sometimes the brake has to be applied. Some of you may not, may not understand. I hope that when you're turning in on the parking lot out here, I hope every now and then you at least tap the brake when you pull in out there. You think about it. You know what? There's not, and what I'm trying to tell you is there's no time to let up. There's no time to pull over. There's no time to put it in park. But we've got to keep prodding along. We've got to keep going along. We've got to stay on the straight and narrow. Now you think about this. If, who, who is it that we, we've got in our, our vehicles? You think about this. I thought about a family. 
I thought about, about the family. And I thought about maybe as the dad being the head of the household, the spiritual leader of the home, he ought to be driving. Amen. The, the man of the house ought to be driving. Now, if the man... Thank you, Brother Roger. If the man of the house decides to turn off, he's responsible for whoever else is in the vehicle. Would you agree with me right there? So every now and then, maybe we need to take a look in the rearview mirror and see who's sitting in the back seat so that we might be leading our family in the right direction. You think about it. Let me just say this. If I'm heading down the road and I'm in the truck and Sarah and the kids are with me, if I make a right-hand turn, you know what? They've got to go the same way I'm going. I can't make a right-hand turn and they stay straight. Am I making sense? We've got to stay straight. I shall not be turned. We've got to stay on the straight and narrow way. Now I thought about this. There's three things. Well, there may, be, there may be a dozen things here. I don't know before I'm done. But there's a few things I want you to notice that I believe that when we that may cause us to veer off one way or the other. You think about this. I thought, first of all, the Bible tells us there in, in the Scripture that we read in verse number 4, notice what it says. It says, And they shall turn away their ears from what? The truth. So that tells me that somewhere along the line they've heard the truth. Now keep in mind, as I done mentioned, that this Scripture was wrote for the church. It was wrote for the believer. It's not for the world. It's not the world that's, that's veering off and going. They're already in the wrong way. But at one time or another, who, who Paul wrote these words to was a believer. They were on the course. They were on the way. And somewhere along the lines, they were hearing the truth and something happened. The truth will cut every now and then. God's Word is truth. And if we're not lined up with the Word of God... And, and, and the man of God gets up and preaches boldly the Word of God, and it you know what? It'll come cutting. You think about that. It'll cut us to the quick. And it'll let us know right quick where we stand with the Word of God. And if there's any hard feelings, and if there's, any, if there's anything, it's not the Word of God that's messed up or wrong, but it's you and I, and we need to get lined up with the Word of God. Thank God for the man of God that will stand and preach. The true Word of God. You know, every now and then, we probably need our toes stepped on every now and then. Just to keep us in line. Make sure we're, we're where we're supposed to be. But I thought about this. I thought about, you know, there's some things that when the preacher will preach against, some things that the preacher might preach against that may cause someone to veer off. May cause them to tap the brakes may cause them to turn right or left and, and not stay. You know, I believe this. When, when, when the man of God preaches against the flesh, you ever think about that? The flesh. Let me just say this. Your flesh is at enmity with God. You know what that means? It's at odds with God. It's an enemy of God, if you will. The, the flesh does not line up with the will of God. In other words, as a believer, we've got to crucify the flesh. We've got to deny the flesh. So that the inward man, the spiritual man, may re be revived every day and may grow spiritually every day. Wasn't it John that said, I must decrease, 
but he must increase. We've got to deny ourselves so that the inward man will grow. Now you think about this. You think about, about preaching against the flesh. You know, when we preach against the flesh, uh, at, at times, it'll let us know where we're at. It, it'll call sin, sin, as we done mentioned. It, it'll spell it right out. And you know what? Everybody's okay when, 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 we, when we preach against sin in general. You know, everybody's okay with that. You know, because everybody is a sinner saved by grace if they've been born again. And the Bible tells us that, that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes every one of us and excludes no one tonight. So you think about that. When we preach against sin in general, everybody's okay with it. But you know what? When we get right down and you... You plow a, a, a row over here and you plow a row over here and you, you, you think about that and how we get right down where the rubber meets the road. And you know, wasn't it Paul in Galatians chapter 5 and he called it out. There, there's, a, there's a laundry list there about that long and Paul called it what it was. He said it was sin. Notice some of these things in Galatians chapter 5. He preached against adultery. He preached against fornication and uncleanness, lasciviousness. Uh, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, envies, murders, drunkenness, and revelings. And he went on to say that none, nobody that lives like this is going to inherit the kingdom of God. You know what we've got to do? We've got to get lined up with the Word of God and we've got to listen to the man of God when he preaches boldly against sin. And every now and then, he ought to get right down in our row and hoe a little bit and plow a little bit. Amen. Let us realize where we stand and let us realize where we're at so that we may not be turned. I shall not be turned. You know, I thought about, I thought about this. I heard, I heard someone say one time that that a preacher, uh, a bold preacher, was preaching hot and heavy one night, and the spirit of God was upon him, and he was just laying it out there, and and somebody yelled from the back. He said, "Hey, preacher." He said, you're, you're turning the fur the wrong way. You're rubbing the fur the wrong way. And, the, and the, it wasn't long the preacher yelled back. He said, well, turn that cat around. Cat don't like when his fur is rubbed up backwards, does he? Turn him around. In other words, we've got to get turned towards the Lord. Let me just say this. If your fur gets turned up, we ought to get turned around. Amen. Notice this. I, I believe this. That not only when we preach against the flesh, but you preach against family. You ever think about that? Oh my. Well, we're getting right down where we live now, aren't we? When you preach against family, you know what? It's okay when, when he's on somebody else's family. And, and he's, he's preaching here and, and, and he's leaving us alone over here. But you know what? When, he, when, it, when it comes right down to it, and you, you think about this. I, I'm convinced tonight as a parent that I am going to give account. I'm going to be responsible on how I have raised my children. I believe that. I believe I'll stand before Christ one day and give an account on how I have raised Andrew and how I have raised Annabeth. And not only that, I'll go another step farther. How I have conducted myself in this church or whatever church I've been associated with. And every time that I, I have uh, given a uh, 
a lesson or preach to the children in the church, you think about it, I believe I will give an account to that. I believe that tonight. I don't want to leave no doubt about it. I want to make sure that I do the right thing and say the right thing at the right time. It's that important. It's that important. I shall not be turned. But you know what you think about? You think about these children. And I thought about the homes. And You know, I thought about Moses' wife. You know, Moses, I believe, was probably the first pastor had a great multitude of people that he was a pastor of that led those, those people out of the bondage, out of Egypt, led them across that wilderness for 40, 40 years. Somebody estimated that it should have took them about somewhere between 9 and 11 days to get to Canaan. But they took a 40-year detour. And I thought about Moses' wife. And, and Mo, at this time, Moses had a son and and, and he went. He said, I'm going to go down and I'm going to preach to those children of Israel. And his wife encouraged him said, you go right down there. And he said, God called you to preach. You go down there and you preach. And, but it, on his way down there, I believe it was God that brought to his, his remembrance that he hadn't even performed the, the cleanliness thing upon his own son. And he hadn't even circumcised his own son. And he went back and told his wife, he said, wait a minute, I can't go down there and preach to them and know that I ain't even uh, kept my own family in order. So he went to take care of that service to his son and his wife got mad. He said, a bloody man art thou unto me, is what she said. It's okay, just as long as we're preaching against somebody else, but when it hits home, oh boy, we're liable to turn out and, put a, and, and go down this road or go down that road and, and maybe swerve a little bit or hit our brakes and tap our brakes. But you know what? I shall not be turned. Thank God for the man of God that will preach and let me know where I stand with the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit of God. And I thought about this. I thought, you know, that Eli, remember that Eli was the priest in the temple. And how that God... That God relieved him of his ministry in the temple. You know why? Because that he did not restrain or bring restraints upon his own children, upon his own sons. In other words, they were, they were living like the world. They were out here running this way and running that way, but they were still allowed to go into the temple and go into the, in the places of sacrifice. But you think about that. Hey, let me just say this. If I don't have my children in order, how can I come and preach, keep your children in order? I'd be a hypocrite, would I not? We've got to keep our children in line. We've got, we've got to make sure that our children are on the straight and narrow. And how can we expect our children to stay on the straight and narrow if, if as parents we're not going to as well? Oh my. Just like the saying goes, you do as I say, not as I do. Well, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. And I thought about, you know, I, I believe this. I believe, that, I believe that we ought to still preach modesty to our children in the homes. What are what is our children wearing when they go outside of the doors? When they leave the homes, what are they wearing? I've I've heard I've heard of uh, stories even when I was a kid. 
going to school that some some girls would put on whatever they wanted their, their parents wanted them to wear and be modest about it but when they got outside of the, the the eyes of their parents they would shuck that stuff off and put on what they would want to that would reveal everything about them you think about that and how important it is that we preach modesty still yet to our children it, it's okay to still be modest in 2021 in the schoolhouses. I believe we would be shocked if we went over to the school and see how some of these kids dress. You think about it. It, it looks like a whole herd of piranhas got a hold of their britches on the front. You think about it. Ripped them from off of them. Wonder where they've been baptizing those kids at over there. You know... How could I preach against? You think about this. How could I stand up here and, and preach against sin? If, if 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 Andrew was out here somewhere now, Andrew's nineteen years old. He's not able to go buy his own drinks legally. But if someone was to supply him that, or or he got to the point where he he started drinking. How would it be possible for me to stand up here and preach against that when my own son's out here doing just the opposite of what I'm preaching? We've got to make sure that our kids are raised upright. Thank God for this little church beside the road right here at Union Valley that will teach them in the right way. Thank God for the ones that will help with the children and, and learn them about Jesus and teach them about Jesus and show them the right way. You know, another thing I thought about in Second Kings, I believe it's chapter number 2, and I think it's the last few verses of that chapter, you'll find that there was a bald man in the Bible. A man by the name of Elisha. Remember? And there was children, a whole bunch of them come out. He was going up to the town, Elisha was, and the children come out. And you remember what they told him? They said, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. But you think about this. You know, where would those children, they were making fun of him, they were taunting him and teasing him, where would those, they were children, where would those children learn to tease the man of God? They're looking at somebody. They're watching somebody. They're listening to somebody. Maybe they've heard mom and dad sit at the dinner table and talk about the man of God and, and talk about this one and talk about that one. And because of that, they went out and they teased and taunted the man of God. But it didn't do them children very good, did it? You know what the Bible says? They said, go up thou bald head, go up thou bald head. And the Bible says that Elisha turned and cursed them. And there were two she-bears that came out of the woods and tear forty and two of them. You think about that. So in other words, you better be careful next time you talk about a bald man. <laughs> man, I felt something on that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Another one I thought about was Samson. You know, Samson, I believe, had godly parents. And I believe that, that Samson's parents prayed for Samson. And it was, a, it was a period of time before Samson come along. 
And, and no doubt that Samson's parents were, were godly parents, but you know what? They would not rebuke Samson when he did wrong. Now, Samson was what was called a Nazarite. He, he, he wasn't allowed to shave his hair. He wasn't allowed to cut his hair. He wasn't allowed to touch anything unclean, any type of death he was not allowed to come in contact with, could not drink strong drink. And, and here we read that Samson, remember he went to the carcass of the lion. Remember he slew the lion. And then he went back sometime later and what happened? There was the beehive in the, in the carcass of the lion. And he went inside of the carcass of that lion and pulled out the honey. He came in contact with what was unclean and his parents knew about it and they did not rebuke him. Because, they did not correct him of it. You know, there's going to be times when our children do wrong. And I know that as a parent, you may think that your children are perfect. But I've got news for you. And you think about this. You was a child once as well. But you know what? At times, our children are going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. And we've got to correct them. We've got to chastise them. We've got to punish them. But you know what? There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I believe this. I believe that God put a little bit of extra padding on the hind parts to let them know every now and then when they get out of line. Amen. It didn't hurt me. I didn't like it at the time. I've had my share, by the way. Didn't like it at the time, but you know what? I can look back and thank God for my godly parents. Thank God for my mommy. Thank God for my daddy that taught me in the right ways. And when I got out of line, they let me know. I think that's what we need every now and then. You know, there's going to be consequences for our actions. And we ought to teach our children that. You know, we ought to teach our children to have accountability. And responsibility. And, and when, when something happens, it's, and, and be responsible for our actions. If we make bad choices and make bad decisions, and, and, and we, we're going to reap the benefits of that, there's going to be bad consequences for it. But we need to take accountability of our own selves and teach that to our children and not take up for them whenever they mess up and, and, and fail and fall. It's going to happen. But you know, we ought, we got to be there for them. We ought to love on them and let them know, hey, wait a minute, you've messed up. You shouldn't have done that. And, and this is why. And show them and try to teach them along the way and help them along the way. I want you to notice this. I thought about, I thought about not only uh, preach against flesh and family, but I thought about how about your finances? Oh, boy, I can see some of them squirming now. You think about finances. And you know, I've never, I've never heard or never seen that a, a true cheerful giver, when, when the man of God preaches, uh, preaches to give, you know what? They're, they're ne they never get uncomfortable, uncomfortable about it. I believe that tonight. And I believe that, I believe that we ought to give. I believe that. Hey, I, I believe it like this. I believe it's required. I believe it's a commandment that God tells us that we ought to give the, not, not the leftovers, not what we've got left, but right up front, give Him 10%. I believe it's a requirement. And let me just say this. I believe that God will bless you for that. I'm convinced of it. 
I've been there, been on the receiving end of it more times than I can tell you that God has blessed me because I have tried to be faithful in giving what is due to Him. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what Caesar's. But we ought to render unto the Lord what belongs to the Lord. What belong- How do you think these lights on the church stay on? How do you think the carpet gets clean and the, and the pews get clean? How do you, how do you think the, the bills get paid? The water stays on? The sewer and the electric, you think about that. And how important it is that we give. Now I know this, that, a lot, that sometimes a preacher can get up here and, and, and say give from the pulpit one time and, and they're, they're noted by that one statement the rest of their life. Well, that preacher said to give. I don't need your money. The church don't need your money. And if, if you're going to give it grudgingly, just hold on to it. Just keep it. Last thing I want you to notice, and I'll be, I'll be done, but I want to back up just a moment. I thought I, I read a statistic that I understand that, that only 12% of Christian individuals tithe their 10%. You think about that. 12%. That's a small number. And I thought, how much greater the church can be? How much, how much of a, a, a power, powerful force the church could be if, if people would give just what's required and give it willingly and give it for the right reasons and, and with a, a cheerful heart. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And I'll just take another step farther. You can't outgive the Lord. Oh my goodness, you think about His storehouses. You think about, about His bank banking account. You think about it. My goodness. Last thing I want you to know, this is not it's you preach against the flesh, you preach against the family, you preach on finances, and you preach on faithfulness. Now keep in mind where we're going. I shall not be turned. Let's stay straight. Let's stay focused. Let's stay on the mark. But I thought about faithfulness. And you know uh, uh, the Bible talks about in the last days there's going to be a great falling away. And, and I believe that you think about the unfaithfulness that we're seeing in the house of God today. You think about ones that have turned. The ones that have, have, have for whatever reason, maybe they've heard the truth and the truth cut them. It got right down in their tater patch and hoed a little bit and it, and it plucked them up a little bit. And you think about it and maybe they've got offended and they've turned and they've left and now they're unfaithful to the house of God. And I believe that there's ever been a time that we ought to be faithful to the house of God. It's today. My goodness, I'm convinced today that, that Jesus could come before that door right there opens up to dismiss this place. There's, do you know, realize that there's nothing great has to happen for the rapture to happen? Nothing has to happen except for Christ to come get the church and to call the church home. But you know a lot of people have lost their dedication and they've lost their commitment. What has happened? And you think about it, even, even with work, with relationships, with marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be. Their place of employment. I, I, I was at work to, just today. And I was sitting in my truck and I was waiting to, to get by this, this, big, uh, this big truck that was hauling a bunch of... Uh, mud and dirt and rocks down the road and I was waiting to get by it 
And here come a guy walking by. It was like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And this guy come walking by. And he was, the, he was the excavator operator. He was the one that was on the hillside that was digging the hillside out and was loading those big trucks. And it was like a traffic jam there. And I thought, what in the world's happening? And this guy went walking by with his dinner bucket in his hand. And he was going to his truck. He quit. He just walked off the job and quit. For whatever reason, I don't know. But you think about the commitment. You think about we've lost our commitment. We've lost our dedication to the house of God. We've lost our faithfulness to our family. We've lost our faithfulness to to our, our friends and our children, our wives, our spouses. You think about it. We've lost our faithfulness to the house of God. If there's ever been a time that we ought to be faithful, it ought to be today. Be faithful to the house of God. And you know, I, I don't know the answer to this, and I thought about how we've seen it right here in this church. We've seen it for years. And, and you think about you think about these 16 and 17, 18-year-old kids that'll go out here and they'll get a minimum wage job, and it ain't long they're out of church for a minimum wage job. You think about that. And I hate it. We've seen it right here in this church. And it bothers me. It upsets me. And you know, I thought about if, if they was to go out here and had a job that paid them a million and a half dollars a year, it still wouldn't be worth turning their back on the house of God. And you know what I think we need today? I think we need a generation of 16, 17, 18 year olds that will go out here and say, I don't care what you pay me. I don't care what you offer me. I'm not going to miss church. I'm not going to miss out on being faithful to God. I'm not going to miss out on being faithful to the house of God. And let me just say this. I believe God will honor you for that and bless you because of that. I've been there. I've been there. I told the employer that I work for today. I told him when it come down to it and, and they was they was running all over the state in two or three different states and six, seven hours away. I told him, I don't care to drive two or three hours and give you a 10-hour a 10 shift, but I intend to be home on the same day. I ain't, I'm not going to go out here and live out of a hotel weeks and months at a time. I've got a family at home. At that time, Andrew was young. Annabeth was very young. I had a beautiful wife at home. And I was... Dedicated to church. And I said, first and foremost, I'm going to be faithful to God. And I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. And I'm going to be faithful to my family. And I think God has blessed me for that. God has honored me for that. Oh my. God has been good to this old boy tonight. God has truly been good to me and my family tonight. Has God been good to you tonight, church? There's not a doubt in my mind the Lord's been good to every one of you tonight. But you know what? We've got to stay straight. We've got to stay fixed upon the Lord. I shall not be turned. Will you stand with me tonight?